everybody. This is Bill Leverty of Firehouse, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh-based hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music. Episode 29, we're going to continue on a series of interviews I did regarding the February 12th show at the Pepsi Roadhouse with Great White Firehouse and Ashes to Ashes. Had a chance recently to speak to Bill Leverty of Firehouse, original guitar player, about what's been going on in Firehouse's career and what to expect from the show coming up. Before we get into the interview, we're going to play a single from Firehouse's most recent album. This song is called Perfect Lie. Then we'll get right into the interview.
All right, folks, on the line, we have joining us guitarist from Firehouse, Bill Leverty. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, I wanted to get you on. Um, you guys will be coming to uh, uh, Burgettstown, which is actually just outside of Pittsburgh, very close to the airport. Um, coming up in February, on February 12th, you're going to be doing a show out at the Pepsi Roadhouse with Great White and uh, local band Ashes to Ashes. So we wanted to take some time and find out what's going on in the world of Firehouse, catch up with you guys, and uh, see what's going on in your solo career. I know you've got quite a bit going on there as well. So um, I thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Well, thank you, John. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Great. Hey, Firehouse kind of came along... Um, was it like eighty nine, ninety, somewhere in that ballpark? You guys signed with Epic and sort of took the world by storm. Is that fair? That's uh, well. I don't know if we took the world by storm, but we we came out in uh, September of nineteen ninety. So um, you know, we definitely we we came out in the nineties. We we did didn't make it early enough to be an eighties band. Um, we were trying, <laughs> but we didn't get out there early enough. Our first single. Uh, was released in January of of 1991. So, okay. yeah, the, the very early people who came on board knew about us in 1990, but uh, we didn't get uh, a video played on MTV or on most ra uh, radio stations until 91. Okay. Now, you started out in, um, the band kind of started out in Charlotte, am I correct? But you're from Virginia, is that correct? Well, the, the drummer and I are both from Virginia. Okay. Um, our singer... And our, our original bass player were living in the Carolinas at the time. We okay. met them actually in Virginia on this little circuit of bars that we used to play um, in Virginia and in, in the Carolinas, Tennessee, Kentucky. And um, they they liked us. We liked them, and we decided that um, it, it would be great to work with them. And, and both bands kind of broke up at about the same time, and we just started a new one. And uh, I lucked out. That's, now, were that's you together? It and my, our, the drummer and myself moved down to to North Carolina to uh, try to start writing some more songs and getting to work. And and that's when we got signed. We were actually living in Charlotte. Okay. Now, had you played the, the kind of the club circuit in Charlotte as as Firehouse for a long period of time before Epic kind of snatched you guys? Yeah, we up? were actually called. Yeah, we were called White Heat at the time. And then when um, Epic came and saw us in a club in Charlotte. Um, wanted to sign us we did a trademark search on the name and there were like five other bands called white heat so we uh started thinking about what a good name would be and our drummer michael uh came up with the name firehouse so we we thought it sounded cool so we went with it excellent yeah it was actually i have to admit firehouse is probably my favorite kiss song so i always like the name myself <laughs> um you guys you guys went into the studio with um david prater i believe yeah. who worked with dream theater now, yes. Were you you guys kind of before Dream Theater or or after? I don't remember the exact timeline there, but well, we we recorded our first album, and then as we were about, we decided to because the record did pretty well, we decided to go back with the same team of David Prater and uh, the engineer's name was Doug Oberkirker. And when we went into the studio, David was just finishing up. Uh, David and Doug were both finishing up the recording of an album called Images and Words by this band called Dream Theater. And um, we went and met those guys, and they were so cool. Uh, we hadn't heard uh, the first note off the record. And then after um, you know they had left, um, you know David played me the stuff, and I was like, wow, I can't believe he didn't play me the music first because it was so 
geniusly written and performed and uh, I would have you know probably spent all day asking him questions you know because um, that was such an amazing record but yeah our our first record um, was recorded by David and, and Doug and then um, we we came back to record the second one and, and that's when we met them and so I'm not sure if Dream Theater had a, if that was their first record or not but I'm not um, sure. I think that's Excellent. That was their big one. Yeah, now, let me ask you this. The one thing that stood out to me about the first album, uh, you know, big hits aside, was your guitar tone on some of the songs incredible. Was there something special that you did, or you, a special rig, or was it, you know, just kind of the engineering, or how, how did you get that sound? Well, thank you. I have to give that credit to the producer, David Prater, and, and Doug Oberkirker. Um, David Prater... Uh, probably had the vision for that but uh, what what he did and um I wasn't paying attention like I should have been like I would have if we had we recorded it today but what he did he I t- I brought my amps up there I had a couple of amps and and he had a couple of really good amps and he recorded the rhythm guitars um he had me record the the, the song twice for each amp and okay he panned panned them around left and right and um, I think the first album had six total tracks. It was three stereo pairs of three different amps. And then oh. the second record had eight, which was four stereo pairs of, of each different amp. So it was a lot. It was very time consuming to go and, and play each song exactly the same way eight times. Yeah. But um, that's kind of how that song or that, that sound is, is achieved. And when. People ask me, they'll email me, how, you know, what kind of amp should I get to get that guitar sound? I, I don't know how to respond to that because you have to not only have four different amps, <laughs> but you have to play yeah. them four, I mean, eight separate times to get it to sound like that. And um, Except uh, there there's some guys out there that, that have these incredible guitar rigs that sound like that with one. I haven't found that guitar rig yet, but as soon as I do, I, I'll... I'll definitely have to have to go in debt to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Send me an email of that too, because I, I mean that's the one thing that really stood out to me about that album. You know, for, for, you know being that it's close to 20 years old now, or, or is 20 years old, the guitar sounds so. It really stands out in comparison to a lot of other albums in my mind of the day that had a more thin uh, guitar sound. Very, very, very good sound on that album. Well, thank you. Um, I know that um, uh, you know he he recorded it with uh, SM57 mic, or uh, through Neve preamps, through uh, I don't know if he had any compression on it or not, and and it was just the layering and layering, and the guitar solos were triple tracked. In other words, I, I played the oh. solo the exact same way three times, or as close as I could, you know, the three times. Yeah. On the second record, I only did single track solos, um, so that's that was the difference there. Now you got you guys had obviously quite a bit of success with your debut album. I believe it went double platinum at the time. Now obviously the music industry shifted quite dramatically underneath your feet. But you guys still, I mean, for a band of that era, maintained a, a healthy career really through the '90s. I mean, you had top 20 songs through the middle, at least the middle of the decade, and what appears to have been really phenomenal success overseas. You want to talk a little bit about you know, kind of what happened to Firehouse, even though they kind of went off the radar in America, but you know, to the rest of the world. Well, it was it was 
my overall assessment is, is that where the record company decided to put promotion dollars into our our band, uh, people got interested. Where they didn't put any money in, people didn't know about it, so they didn't know whether to get interested or not. But on the first record, we were a priority in America. Uh, we weren't so much of a priority in the West, in the rest of the world. Um, that the, our record company was a little um, conservative. I think would be a good word to describe their their way of putting money into us. They didn't come out and say, "Okay, this is going to be our next big thing, and we're going to, you know, shoot." We're going to go for eight eight singles or or whatever. They went one at a time, a little bit at a time, and um, our first record um, had what I think was uh, was was good success. Um, the second record came out, and uh, I remember being on tour over in Europe, opening up for a band called Status Quo, and I heard uh, Nirvana "Smells Like Teen Spirit" in a club. And I was like, "Wow, that is so cool!" And um, little suddenly, did you know, yeah. You know, suddenly, um, the next big priority band at Epic was Pearl Jam, and yeah. uh, that's when the dollars shifted from being focused on bands of our genre to bands of their genre. And I don't have any hard feelings uh, about that at all. That's just that's just the way you know the business works. I'm fortunate that I've been able to uh, play music at all and and be able to make any money in it, um, and mainly just just have fun. But um, with the second record, uh, you know, still we went. I think it went platinum here in America. Uh, oh, very close. I, I believe it did. Uh, but anyway, uh, the um, that you, we could see that the the things were shifting a bit when it came time for us to make our third record. Um, we had an escalation in our contract for budget, so we hired a, a, a classic rock producer named Ron Nevison, who worked with guys you know like Led Zeppelin and The Who and uh, Ozzy and all these UFO, Michael Schenker, you know all these great um, heroes of ours. And we thought, you know, hey, this is going to be cool because we want to be. Uh, have a classic rock sound, uh, something that'll last a long time. And and he was a great producer. And we went in out to L.A. and uh, you know made this record with this this like I say you know increased budget. And um, as we were recording it, we were watching all of our peers uh, release records, and uh, they weren't selling at all. And sure. so we were thinking, well, this is this is pretty rough, uh, <laughs> tough environment out there. And our record company, we could tell they were losing interest, but they did release a song off that record called "I Live My Life for You," and uh, sure. that song went to the top twenty. And so yeah. we were um, we were amazed by that. And so we thought, hey, you know, let's um, let's go out and do some touring. And our, our record company wasn't going to give us any tour support. We we didn't really have uh, many options. But they said, hey, you know, go over to Asia. We'll put some money into you over in Asia. So we went over to Southeast Asia, and we worked real hard. Uh, played a bunch of gigs in those countries and, and met a lot of friends and had a great time. And then uh, it came time to make our our fourth record, and the record company said, well, look, we're going to reduce your recording budget, and we want you to... Uh, actually, the first thing they said was, we're just going to put out your greatest hits. And uh, I, a friend of mine had told me that when a record company says they're going to put out your greatest hits, 
the next thing they're going to do is drop you. <laughs> so I had begged our A&R guy, Michael Kaplan, who I love to this day. He's an awesome guy. And, he, and I said, can we please re-record these songs so we don't give our fans the same songs in a different rapper and the same recordings, you know, and he said, you know what, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that, but we've got to reduce your budget. I can't get a, a real budget to go through the company. We, you know, Can you do it for you know, a really, really shoestring budget? I said, yeah, I think we can. I had a friend of mine who had a studio in Sarasota, Florida, where uh, the Allman Brothers have done some work, and um, they didn't make any records there, but they made some demos there, and they uh, rehearsed there and stuff, and and uh, we decided to record that record there, and um, lo and behold, uh, we, we finished the record, and we called the record company and said, hey, let's talk about promoting it. And the, and the record company, our marketing uh, rep, said, you know what, we don't have one penny in our budget for, for this record, to promote this this record. And we were thinking, wow, that that sucks. There's a bunch of songs on here that are already hits. You know, Eric Clapton had an acoustic record out that had sold, you know, like 11 million records or something. I, we didn't understand why they didn't want to put even one penny into it. And they said, well, why don't you go back to Asia and, uh, you know, and, and play some gigs there? So we did release that record there, and it went gold in six countries. So Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it's funny how the tide shifted. And it, um, it always seemed interesting to me that it seems like in Asia and Japan, you know, a lot of the music that that I grew up on is was popular long past when it was popular in the U.S. But it seems, at least to me, that that style of music is really starting to come back around. Um, I I know with Rocklahoma and uh, some of the tours that I think you guys were involved in through the latter part of the 90s into the early 2000s, it seems like, you know, are you do you find yourself playing to bigger audiences now than in the U.S. than maybe did 10 years ago, or is it remain pretty constant it's gotten a lot better i really feel a resurgence and um like you mentioned rocklahoma here's a guy down there who um has been doing country festivals for years and he decides to do a, put a put a rock festival together everybody around him says you're crazy it'll never work he says well you know i really like this kind of music i want to give it a shot and the first year he does it he has like 80,000 people who converge uh in the middle of of oklahoma Sure. And um, it, it just shows that uh, that there is a vacuum for our genre and this style of music. The people don't have anywhere to go to get it. Uh, it's not on the radio. You can't hear about it on um, on TV. And no. um, you know the way you can go and be a part of it is is live at the show. And it's it's about having a good time and and uh, kind of getting away from reality a little bit and. Uh, people still want to do that, and I find that our audience is 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 building again. We did have a, a, a definite um, valley in terms of peaks and valleys, uh, right. right? Right, like you said, it about ten years ago. But we've been on a, a steady, um, uh, slow but steady increase in in our um, audience. And the cool thing is, is that the people that were coming out to see us in 1991-92 are coming back to see us and they're bringing their kids. And yeah. uh, so we're playing to a couple of different generations now and that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I know I recently went to see uh Kiss on their on their tour and in one row in front of me is a guy and his son and that's great to see, you know. It's it's uh, good entertainment they put on a good show and it, it kind of transcends 
generational things. Um, you've you've done a couple of solo albums. You, we'll just take a minute and talk about. You did a project called Wonderlust. Was that a solo album or is that kind of a, a side band? Wanderlust is uh they're all just side projects. It's not really a band. I you know, when Firehouse is off the road, um you know, I have uh, you know, I've I've usually been writing and tinkering in my studio and uh, and I get a little little uh group of 10 songs or so and then I'll I'll put them out and um that was my first attempt at it and uh, that's kind of a bluesy hard rock um album and uh with vocals. Uh, my second one came out a few years later. It's an instrumental record called Southern Exposure, and that one's um, instrumental stuff. I've always wanted to do an instrumental record, and I never really had the songs to do it, and I, f I finally one day um, did, so I, put, so I put them out. And then yeah, um, work. Mo most recently I, I put out a record called Deep South, which is all of these really old songs that um, I wasn't, I'm not familiar with anybody in our genre that's covered any of these songs. It's all cover tunes. I always wanted to do a cover tunes album, but I didn't want to do a Led Zeppelin song and a Van Halen song and a Who song and a, you know, the typical what a guy like me would, would record, uh, a guy from my genre. I wanted to do something, you know, a bit different. And I went back to a lot of the really, really old songs that were at the turn of the century and the genres that were popular back then, uh, like bluegrass or spiritual um, songs, gospel kind of songs, or blues songs. Um, any any of those kind of genres that that fit my style, I tried to find songs that were were from that era and and from that style. And uh, I found eight of them, and I recorded them. They're vocal songs, and um, I put you know my guitar style M. and then um i didn't have quite enough to make an album there were two other songs i've always wanted to cover one is a song by walk called walk beside me um uh, that I, I really like a lot by daryl scott and um uh, i also recorded uh ray charles song called hit the road jack which i always loved that song and i wanted to to do a version of that and uh so i, I released that um recently and um it's a little different than what people might expect but uh, I, I enjoy it and and a lot of people have heard it so far too great and now um just to kind of wrap up you guys are going to be coming in um it'll be the 12th of february you're going to be doing a show um i believe the band now firehouse is 75 percent all original that's correct we got a new original bass player <laughs> he's been, been with, with us you for, for a while though yeah. Six years, so that's why we call him the new original. Uh, his name's Alan McKenzie, and he's uh, he's awesome. He's from Canton, Ohio, and he um, he's he's an amazing talent. He's a was the lead singer, bass player for the biggest Rush tribute band uh, in the country, and and he's uh, just just a phenomenal uh, uh, singer, player, performer guy. Just a great friend, and and we're glad to have him. Excellent. So, I mean, for those people out there, I know a lot, I think a lot of people get skeptical uh, because some of the bands of that era have toured in such a splintered fashion where you might get one or two original members. You're, you've got the original drummer, the original guitar player, and the original singer, uh, and a bass player has been with you for six years, so you're not getting a watered-down firehouse. Um, 
want to thank you for coming on the show. Before we go, I, I did uh, to mention, I saw on your site, you played a little amateur hockey at, at one point? Yeah. Yeah, hockey is my uh, my passion outside of music. It's, uh, it's I, in my opinion, it's the best sport out there. You know, all the rules are designed to keep the game going. And, um, you know, I can sit down and watch hockey, and, and it captures my interest. A lot of the other sports, um, there's too many things that stop the game to keep me uh keep my interest you know and um and hockey is the greatest one and i i had the interest in playing uh you know when i was a kid um we had a farm club by the philadelphia flyers down here called the richmond robins and okay. um, so that kind of got me hooked and, and i've been playing ever since you know i've slowed down a lot in this past year um but uh, I still get out every now and then when we get early ice time and when it's a bunch of mellow guys that are out to just have fun. But I played in leagues for a long time. And um, after getting beaten up uh, and smashed into the boards and having to get up at 3.30 in the morning to go go catch the plane up to Pittsburgh to play the Pepsi-Cola Roadhouse and I'd limp on stage, I, I decided it's time for me to slow down a little bit. Now, I, I did read on your site who your favorite team is, but I will not mention that. <laughs> hey, but I love the Penguins. Uh, the Penguins, um, you know, what a great team. I mean, of course, Sid the Kid, you know, but, but you know, Malkin, um, you know, you guys uh, have a great team. If there's any team, and I told my wife and she was upset that I said that, but there was, if there was any team that would beat my team um, for the Stanley Cup, you know, of course I want my team to win, but if there's any other team, it would be the Penguins. And, uh, yeah, I don't sure. – I, I don't know if I could say the same for your team, so I'll let that slide. <laughs> uh, I, I, I wish you uh, I, I wish you guys a great show. I hope that uh, uh, the place is packed for you guys and uh, you have a good time. And if you get back into Pittsburgh again, uh, don't hesitate to give us a call and uh, we'll get you on and talk about some music. Bill, that sounds great. Thanks a lot for your support, bro. Thanks, man. Trouble is hard Whoa, 
tell you what does this that will do Front your face, you'll have a love for you Hide your back and jeopardize your name Just the same, you'll have to bear the blame The song you just heard was called Trouble So Hard from Bill Leverty's most recent solo album, Deep South, available. Uh, if you go to our website, ironcityrocks.com, on, click on the podcast link. There's links to uh, Firehouse's website, Bill Leverty's website, and there's also links you can purchase both of those on Amp. Uh, I'm sorry, on iTunes. Um, wanted to um, announce uh, again, 
We have a contest running on ironcityrocks.com. Across the top, you'll see a link for Great White uh, Contest Giveaway. We will be giving away a pair of tickets to see the uh, Great White Firehouse Ashes to Ashes show on August, I'm sorry, February 12th at the Pepsi-Cola Roadhouse. Uh, that show does include dinner and parking. Deadline for entry is February 5th, so you're going to need to hurry to enter that if you haven't done already. And uh, while you're on the site, there's also links to purchase a lot of great local bands' music. Um, we have about 28 other episodes uh, with some great bands from the Pittsburgh region you can check out from all ranges of hard rock, heavy metal, blues, classic rock, uh, some really great stuff, acoustic rock even. So I hope you enjoy that. Um, I'm going to close out the show. We're going to play a track from the band that will be opening the show at the Pepsi Roadhouse. This is local band Ashes to Ashes with a song called She Knows. Another dream I can sleep without Another fear I can get without The more I look, the less I seem to Touch, I won't forget The more I need her, the more I'm afraid of Losing it all and starting again Wishing it all would never begin Nobody knows what somebody sees in somebody else that somebody needs The more she learns about me, the more she needs to know And she knows what she wants But does she know what she's getting? Wishing it all would never begin Nobody knows what somebody sees in somebody else that somebody needs The more she learns about me, the more she needs to know Another dream I can sleep without Another fear I can fret without Another kiss I need to get Another touch that I Needs to know, and she. 